Hey guys, welcome to OneChurch.tv. Uh, my name is Chris and I'm one of the pastors and uh, we're in week two uh, of a four-week series entitled Friending. And uh, over the past nine years that One Church has been in existence, we have never really talked about friendships on a Sunday morning when it comes to an entire series. So we're really excited about this series. Uh, I want to encourage you that if you missed last week, and probably a lot of you did because it was Labor Day weekend, I want to encourage you to uh, download the OneChurch.tv app from the Google Play or the App Store, or uh, just to give you guys a heads up, if you have the new Apple TV, uh, there's also a One Church app on that, which is really, really cool. So, um, But I, I'm going to just do a quick overview of what we talked about uh, uh, last week. But before I do that, I need to give you guys some information. I waited till the, the end of last service to do it because it was a timing issue, uh, but uh, uh, I can actually talk about it freely now. Um, we uh, Next week, we're going to be doing this series entitled Friending Again, and we're going to be talking about One Community Way, and Grace uh, Life Church is going to be joining us again. Carlos Serrano is going to be hanging out with us, and he is going to be teaching the message uh, next Sunday, as well as we're going to have some Grace Life folks uh, uh, serving in some of our environments, as well as singing here. Uh, and the reason why we're doing that is Grace Life and One Church, we've been in talks, and Grace Life is going to become OneChurch.tv. Uh, really excited about this. Um, and let me tell you the reason why we're doing this. Uh, we have a lot of good reasons. Um, but one of the things that uh, Carlo had mentioned when we were talking about what would Jesus say about race and racism, in the 9 o'clock service, he had mentioned, you know, some churches, uh, to have a more multicultural staff or multicultural church, they just need to merge. And one of the things I love about one church is we have a very multi-ethnic church. I love that, especially in the South. Um, uh, but uh, one of the things that we have on our staff is just a bunch of crackers. Um, we have white people. That's it, right? And uh, as Carlo uh, was mentioning about this, I'm like, you know what? I need to talk to him about this. We met that next week, and he says, you know, I'll pray about it. He's went to his staff, his leadership team, and uh, they have decided uh, that they're going to become a part of One Church TV. Uh, where he's going to be coming on staff as a teaching pastor, and him and I are going to co-teach, uh, uh, either some together and some apart. Um, but really, 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 really excited about where we're going together as two churches become one. So um, next Sunday, uh, they're going to be with us at the party at our nine-year celebration, and they're going to be baptizing some folks in the creek as well. So here's what I intentionally need you guys to do. I need you guys to make them feel welcome. I need you guys to um, uh, allow, I know some of you, you've got all the friends that you probably ever want or need, and I'm going to ask you to make some room in your life so that you can build relationships with other people. How many of y'all, you've been at one church for over six years? Let me see your hands. Okay, look around, look around. How many of y'all, you've been at one church less than six years? Let me see your hands. Guys, look at that. Look at that. So you can put them down. Here's what I'm asking you guys to do. I'm asking you to do for the people at Grace Life what somebody here at one church did for you. And reach out to them, love on them, make them feel welcome, and encourage them to, to come a part of your community groups, serve alongside of them. Uh, because I believe that none of us are as smart as all of us, and none of us are as strong as all of us. And when you put us both together, we're going to see God do some amazing things here in Clarksville, Tennessee. How many of y'all are excited about that? You guys are amazing. Awesome. So last week, so uh, uh, last week we talked about why friendships are declining. And we simply looked at four different reasons why friendships are declining. Number one, increasing work hours. 
and everybody works too much. How many of y'all, you don't work enough? Let me see your hands. No one. All right, and I saw, I think I just saw Gene. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, <clears throat> the second one, r- rising divorce rates. I mean, it's no, sh- a no shocker there, but uh, divorce is hard on families as well as friendships. Three, uh, we move more often. Uh, and we learned this statistic that the average American moves once every five years. And here in this community, it's even more than that. And then lastly, and this may be the biggest reason, is because of social media, smartphones, and texting. We learned last week that social media and texting is redefining how we friend. Um, we looked at this, and we looked at this a lot last week, but we share our hearts, we share our thoughts, all in a, 140 characters or less with cute cute hashtags and things of that nature. Um, but we feel like we're making relationships with other... We feel like we're actually being intimate with other people. Well, actually, it's just a pseudo-relationship. So I asked you guys to repeat after me last week. I'm going to ask you to do it again. I will develop my friends. Say it. Face-to-face, not just thumbs-to-thumbs. I hope you guys were more intentional this past week of putting down your phones, shutting them off, and actually being present with your friends face-to-face. Today, our, our, our title is entitled One Friend Away, and here's our key thought of the entire series as we dive in, that your friends, show me your friends, and I will show you your what? Exactly right. You show me your friends, and I will show you your future. That's what the wisest man who ever lived, Proverbs in 13.20, King Solomon says this. He who walks with the wise, what will they become? Wise, but a companion of fools will suffer harm. You show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. And again, I heard so many people over social media this past week share and tweet about the the, the teaching that we talked about last week. Uh, One person said this, that before they go to bed and as soon as they get up in the morning, they check social media. I mean, they do that. I mean, for, as soon as they, I mean, before they go to bed, they've got to check Facebook. And as soon as they uh, wake up, they open up Facebook. I actually had one guy say that in, in the middle of the night, he would just wake up and he would open up Facebook because he didn't want to miss anything his friends have been doing. Now, I've got to be honest with you. I wake up in the middle of the night for different reasons. It's because I drink a lot of water. Some of you think, the pastor drinks. I drink a lot of water and Coke Zero. Okay, so um, so I go, I get up for different reasons, but some people just they just they can't stay off social media. Another person uh, pulled me aside and said, "This, Chris, I have over seven hundred friends on Facebook. When you challenged me last week to write down five of my closest friends, I could not produce one name." You know, I would think that would probably be a lot of us last week. I mean, I asked you to write down five of your closest friends, and probably for at least half of us, we wrote down two or less. You know. Sociologists talk about three different types of pop of poverty. The first one is called material poverty, and that's where you don't have stuff, you don't have money, and everybody knows about that. Then you have something else called spiritual poverty. Spiritual poverty is where you're completely bankrupt, devoid of any hope. There's that. But the third type is something called relational poverty. And I believe that all of us are struggling with relational poverty today. We feel so much more connected 
via social media, but we're living more disconnected lives. In fact, it, really interesting, you can go talk to Luther about this. Luther's passion is, of course, orphans and adoption in, in Africa. And we talked about this for the first service. But if you go, if you take a missions trip uh, to Ethiopia with Luther Ramsey, one of the things you're going to realize in the first couple of days that you're there, your heart is going to be breaking for those people because they are materially poor. Many of them, they have no money. They have, they have a, a house that is smaller than a bathroom's in your house. And they live in that entire house. They have no money. They have nothing. And for the first two or three days, that's going to rock your world. But on day three, day four, you're going to start to get jealous of them. And here's the reason why. is because you're going to see that they're joyous that spiritually they're rich, that relationally they have so many more friends and family members, and you're like, how come they have so little and can be so happy about it, and I have so much and be so lack content over it? And, and, and I struggle with my friendships. So our big idea today is simply this. You may be one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. You may be one friend away from changing the course of your life. And I mean this with all my heart. You may be one friend away that can literally change everything about you and your lifestyle. In fact, in Acts chapter 9, I want to show you very clearly how this big idea really shines through. And it really shines through through the guy, of his name is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, the whole entire trajectory of his life was changed by one friendship. By one friendship. Let's look at Acts uh, chapter 9, verse 26. It says this. When Paul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the other believers, but they were all what? Afraid of him. Why were they afraid of him? Because they did not believe he had truly become a believer. Now, what does that mean? Well, before Paul was the Apostle Paul, his name was Saul, and he was the chief persecutor of Christians. He not only persecuted Christians, but he killed them. Uh, he, and, and now he becomes, he meets Jesus. His life changes, his name changes, and he says, hey, I want to preach. But all the Christians are like, I don't, don't think so. I don't think I really want you to hang out with me, and I don't want to invite you to my community group, because I don't want you to know where I live. So nobody is trusting this guy now named Paul. Verse 27, then, everybody say then. Then Barnabas, by the way, his name means son of encouragement. Then Barnabas came to his help and took him to the other apostles. Barnabas took his own credibility on the line to vouch for Paul. He explained to them, how Paul had seen the Lord on the road uh, uh, to Damascus and had spoken to him. He also told them how Paul preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. So Paul stayed there with the other believers and freely went all around Jerusalem with them, speaking what? Boldly. Everybody say boldly. Boldly in the name of the Lord. What happened? Well, this happened. Don't miss it. God used one person in Paul's life to change the trajectory and the course of his destiny. Now, think about this. Paul, he later goes on to write two-thirds of the New Testament. 
and impacted literally millions and millions of people by starting church after church after church. Paul's history, and not only that, world history was changed because Barnabas chose to believe and to befriend one guy. And let me tell you, the the choice of your destiny, the course of your life can be changed by one friend for the better for the worse. So as we continue to go, let me tell you about three different types of friendships all of us should have. Now, some of you, I know I'm talking to some of you guys, and this is how you are. You're kind of like one friend, and you go really deep with them. And I get that, all right? Some of you are like that. Here's my encouragement to all of us, is many times when, we, when we're like, okay, I'm just going to take that one friend, I'm going to go deep with them. Sometimes we need a smorgasbord of friends to be able to give us balance, So if that's your natural tendency, I would just encourage you to, yes, you can go deep with that one friend, but look for other friends. And I'm going to give you today three types of friendships that every person needs. And we're all going to be seeing these types of friends from the life of King David. Now, when I say King David, what do you immediately think of? Goliath. Thank you so much, Donna. So all of us immediately go back to Goliath, but we're going to be looking his entire life and see how David had three friends that spoke into his life that, that made his life better, that made his life stronger, and spoke truth to him. And we're going to be seeing Samuel, Jonathan, and Nathan in the, these three friends and how, Im, how much impact they made in King David's life. So let's look at the first one. Samuel, if you're taking notes, a friend who made makes you what? Better. Samuel is a friend who makes you better. Let me give you the context. God had rejected the present king because of his continual disobedience. So God tells the prophet Samuel, I want you to go to Jesse's family. And Jesse was the guy. And by the way, I'm not talking about Dukes of Hazard, Jesse. Okay. So uh, I want you to go to Jesse's family, and he has a bunch of sons, and I'm going to pick a son, one of his sons, and make him king. So Samuel says, okay. So would he go to Jesse's family, and he tells Jesse, I'm going to crown one of your sons king today. So Jesse gets all of the sons and kind of lines them all up from tallest and the oldest all the way down to the youngest. And, and he, he put, got most of his sons there. Didn't get all of them we're going to see. And Samuel goes to the, the oldest, and I mean, he looks good. This dude's got muscles. He's got a jawline. He kind of looks like me. Anyway, I mean, he goes to this oldest, and, and Samuel says, surely that guy's the king. And God tells Samuel, nope, he's not it. Then he goes to the next of the oldest. Man, this guy, he's handsome. Maybe he's the king. God said, nope. And he goes down the line, and eventually God tells Samuel this. But the Lord said to Samuel, "Uh uh-uh, don't judge by his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him, all of these brothers. The Lord doesn't see things the way that you see them. People judge by what? Outward appearance. By the way, is that true? Yes, sir, it is. People will judge you on how you look. But, I love that, but... God looks at the heart. Just to do a TV time out here, that's the reason why it doesn't matter what you wear to church. It doesn't matter if you're in a three-piece suit or if you're in a, a garbage bag. God doesn't care what you look like. God cares about your heart. He totally does that. 
God says, the problem, Samuel, is you're looking at the exterior, but I am looking at the interior. I'm looking at his character. I'm looking at his heart. So eventually Samuel goes through all of these brothers, and God has said, no, 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 no. And eventually Samuel asked Jesse, are these all the sons that you have? And Jesse replied, there is still the youngest, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and the goats. Samuel said, send for him at once. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. By the way, Jesse knew why Samuel was there to crown the next king, but Father Jesse didn't even bother to call him the run of the family, David, talking about having a dad who didn't believe in you. But God saw something in that run of the family, little David, who was out tending the sheep that no one else saw, no one except Samuel. So Jesse sent for him, and the Lord said, This is the one. Anoint him. So David stood there among his brothers. Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil, and the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. What's interesting to me is that there was not a single person who saw in David what God allowed Samuel to see in David. Samuel looked at David and said, God can do more through you than, he could, than you can ever hope for or imagine. And Samuel helped him get better in a way that would change the course of little David's destiny. Now here's the thing. Most of us, we have friends, um, and they, we kind of make them by accident if you think about it. You have friends because you are, happen to be in world lit class with that same other girl or guy, and you just kind of struck up a friendship. Others of you, you met, you made friends because you were going to the gym and you got to meet him and you're like, wow. And, and, and you made friends out with others. You made friends maybe at your work or in the army or whatever it is. We kind of make friends by accident, if you think about it. But one of the things I would encourage us to intentionally start doing is we need to make friends intentionally. Why? Because you could be just one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. Do you have somebody in your life who helps you look at things better? Do you have a Samuel? Do you have a friend who can help make your marriage better? Or are you hanging out with a bunch of people who have bad marriages? Heads up. If you do, guess where your marriage is headed? Bad marriage. Think about this. You show me your friends and I'll show you your future. If you're hanging out with people who eat donuts for a hobby, right? Don't be surprised if you're going to be big. Because you show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. If you're hanging out with people who spend money like water, and they're really irresponsible with money, well, guess what? You're on the road to bankruptcy. You show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. If you want to be a better leader, then who do you need to hang out with? Good leaders. Why? Because you show me your friends and I'll show you your future. At the same time, God wants you wants to use you to help make other people better as well. I like how Proverbs 27:17 says, "As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend." If you take iron and hit iron with iron, what are you going to get? Sparks. And let me tell you, sometimes when you have a good friendship, there's going to be some sparks fly. Right? And some of you are saying, "Hey, I married my best friend sparks fly all the time." Okay, hang on. That's Song of Solomon. We're going to talk about that later. All right? But I'm saying if you have a good friend, all right, if you're a guy and you get another guy who's willing to, to love on you and speak truth to you, sometimes sparks are going to fly. We just need someone who sharpens us to make us better. Then look at the next one. There was Samuel, a friend who makes you better, and then Jonathan, a friend who helps you find spiritual strength. 
A friend who helps you find spiritual strength. Let's fast forward in David's story. David gets anointed and he is going to become the next king of Israel, but not yet. Because the current king is still living. So he's kind of doing this waiting game. And then he comes up against Goliath. He kills Goliath. And then he becomes this national hero. And everybody is starting to write pop 40 top songs about David. The, the previous king, he's slain his thousands, but King David, he has slain his tens of thousands. And the present king, by the way, his name is Saul, he's getting angry. He's getting jealous, and he wants to kill David. We pick up the story in verse 15 and 16 of 1 Samuel 23. One day near Horesh, David received the news that Saul was on his way to Ziph. Everybody say Ziph. I don't know why I'm asking you to repeat that. It's just fun. Ziph, to search for him and to what? That means Ziph, right? I mean, that's a bad day, is it not? Jonathan, look at this. Jonathan went to find David, and what did he do? Everybody say it out loud. What did he do? He encouraged him to do what? To stay strong in his faith in God. You know what's interesting? Jonathan, who encouraged David, do you know who Jonathan's dad is? King Saul the one who's trying to kill little David. Isn't that interesting? I mean, some people say, you know what? The blood is thicker than water. Well, David would disagree with you. Because David, his best friend, the friend that not only made him better, but was able to encourage him and to give him, let him find strength in God, was Jonathan, Saul's son. I tell, let me tell you, every single one of us, I don't care how spiritually mature you're in here, it, it, all of us, we're going to need friendships that give us courage. Why? Because all of us are going to be tempted and all of us are going to get tired. And if you don't have people who are willing to stick with you through thick and thin, let me tell you, you will fall. You will fall. Encourage. I like that word, encourage. Encourage literally means to give courage to someone. And there's going to be times in the darkness and the despair of your lives where you're not going to have courage. But that's when you and I, we need friends who can speak God's word into us and to give us courage. I'm so, thank, so thankful for friends, the friends that God has surrounded me with that give me strength in God. You know, one of the biggest jobs our elders have here at OneChurch.tv is just to befriend me. To love me. And let me tell you, that ain't easy to do. It ain't. To, to love on me, to guide me, to ask questions of me, to just put their arms around me and just to speak God's word over me. Because sometimes I get tired and I get discouraged. And all of us need those true friends who are willing to, to be those Christ-centered friends who can speak truth to us. And I'm not, when I say Christian friends, I'm not just talking about the person who said a prayer 20 years ago and isn't living it anymore. Y'all know people like that? I mean, that they can dig up their 80s cross that they had, and they were listening to the band Striper. Anybody know what I'm talking about with Striper? Oh, somebody going. All right, so some of y'all some headbangers in here. Most of you, and most of you got a Stripe who? Um, but, I mean, if your Christian life is the freshness of your Christian life goes back to 1988, that's not the friend you need. You need a friend who's in God's Word daily who's in there and who is challenging you and asking you those hard questions. Hey, it seems like you got that text. That wasn't from your wife. Hey, it seems like you're drinking too much. It seems like we need those friends who can believe the best in us, 
to encourage us. And the third one is Nathan. Nathan, a friend who tells you the truth. Who tells you the truth. We need friends in our lives who will tell us the truth. We all need friends like that because no matter what, we tend to surround ourselves with people that won't tell us the truth. You know what I'm talking about? Or anybody got friends in your life that will tell the truth but won't tell it to you? Oh, they'll tell the truth behind your back. I can't believe she did that and he did that with who? And I can't. No, no. That's not the friend you need. You need a friend who will look you in the eye and tell you the truth. Let me tell you, let's fast forward in David's life. David is now king. And David, he is a great king. He's a man after God's own heart. And he is living a successful life. He's living in a time of kind of semi-peace. He has a lot of his commanders going and fighting his wars for him. And he is staying at home and he's relaxing. And that's where he takes his eye off God and he puts his eye on Bathsheba. Who's Bathsheba? It's this beautiful woman who's taking a bath on the top of her roof of her house. And David is like, that looks like Bathsheba the bad diva. And, uh, and he asked some of the servants, hey, who, who, who is that? Well, that's Bathsheba. Hey, uh, she, she looks good. Let's, why don't you go get her for me? So the servants go, I think that's Uriah's wife. Uh, who? You still go get her for me. So the servants do, and they get together, and a different type of sparks fly. And David commits adultery with Bathsheba. Takes his eyes off the Lord, and she gets pregnant, and he starts freaking out. Okay, my sin, everybody's going to know that I messed up. I know. Here's what I'll do. And he comes, concocts some of these plans. Eventually has his Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, killed. And covers up his sin, and he thinks everything's good. Until God sends Nathan, a true friend, to tell him the truth. God sends a man, Nathan, and, and, and Nathan starts telling David this story. Hey, let me tell you, David, how things going? Things are going great. Couldn't be better. Uh-huh. Okay. Let me tell you a story, David. So Nathan tells this story to David how you had this very rich man who had thousands of sheep and cattle, goats and lambs, and then you had this one very poor man who had this one little lamb. And this lamb was more like a pet than anything else. And the man would allow the, the, the man would allow the little lamb into his house and would feed it from his hand and love this lamb like a child. When the rich man had some of his friends coming in down and they wanted to party, he's like, I don't want to kill any of my goats or sheep or cattle. I know what I'll do. I will steal this poor man's lamb and I will kill it so that my friends can eat. And that's exactly what happened. And when David heard this story, David said, that is not right. And Nathan said, you are not right. You are the man who's done exactly that. And confronts him with his sin of Bathsheba. And David starts realizing that he can't cover up his sin. And let me tell you, you may be here today and you feel like you're kind of skirting on the outskirts and you got those texts and you're going on Facebook Messenger and you're trying to hook up with somebody who's not your spouse. You better know that your sin will find you out. It doesn't matter how good of a liar you are, how much you cover it up. So Nathan speaks the truth to David. And one of the things, when is, let me just ask a question. When is the last time a friend has spoken the truth to you, to your face? 
When is the last time a person said, don't go there? That's stupid. Uh, what you're thinking about is not going to work. Hey, don't, a- don't answer that text. You don't need to be hanging out with her. She's not your spouse. It's going to hurt your family. It's going to hurt your relationship with God. When's the last time who's told you the truth? I like how Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 says this. An open rebuke is better than hidden love. Now look at this next verse. Wounds from a what? Sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Do you have someone in your life who can just cut through the haze and say, you are wrong? I got some people like that. Let me give you two examples. The first one is a guy by the name of Bob Key. Now, y'all know Bob Key. He's a hugger. I love Bob. I don't know if Bob's here in this service or not. Um, but I'll never forget Bob and Laurie. When uh, one church was just getting started, we didn't even have a name yet. They were the first people who came on board with us. And we started hanging out, and we were like, okay, we need to start inviting our friends. So they started inviting some friends. And I remember we were out eating together with a, a group of friends, me and Bob and Laurie and three or four other couples. And I made this offhand, off-color joke about another denomination. And I thought it was kind of funny. Um, now, see, some of you were like, what was it, Pastor? <laughs> not going to tell you. Well, I made this off-color joke uh, about this other denomination. And Bob leans over to me and says, listen, I've been working on these guys to come to one church. They're from the denomination that you just slammed. Right? Because I'm an idiot. I need people like Bob Key in my life who will just say, you know what? I love you. Sometimes you can be really dumb. Do you have somebody in your life like that? Let me give you another example. Somebody that's not your spouse. All right, let me give you another example. I'll never forget, um, this is about 15 years ago. Me and my wife, we've been married, um, we've been married a long time, and uh, we're passionate people. Uh, we do everything with passion. Uh, and I'll never forget, you know, a lot of times when we would talk with people and talk you know, to each other in front of people, everybody would think that we're fighting. But we're not fighting. We're just discussing things passionately because that's what we do. We've been married 23 years, right? So uh, sparks fly, that's all I'm going to say. Um, so uh, as we're kind of processing through and we're talking in front of people, eventually a, a good friend of mine uh, comes up to me and says, Chris, when you and Kim talk like the way you do to each other, it makes everybody feel uncomfortable. Because it makes them think that you're fighting. And I'm like, well, we're not fighting, I can assure you. But he says, it doesn't matter if you assure me or not. It, it makes everybody feel uncomfortable. You need to stop. You're a pastor. You need to lead by example. Mm, that's going to leave a mark, right? But you know what? He was exactly right. I need people like that in my life who can tell me the truth. Let me tell you, for some of you, you just got to realize that you may just be one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. Why? Because if you show me your friends, I'll show you your what? That's right. For some of you, when I look at you, when I look at your friends, your future is new addictions that you do not have. For some of you, your future, you're headed towards a divorce that your friends are contributing to. For others of you, if I can just be so dramatic and say, your future includes jail time. And you're like, well, that's kind of dramatic, don't you think? Well, it might be, but for some of you, it might be true. For some of you, your future is just more of the same old, same old. And what is the same old, same old? I like what Proverbs 26, 11 says. As a dog returns to its vomit. Everybody go, ugh. Isn't that nasty? 
As a dog returns to its vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. See, for some of you, the very thing, you're like a dog who keeps on going back into the very thing that makes you sick ingesting it and getting sick all over again. We all need friends who confront us and say, you know what? What you're doing is making you sick. The choices you are making are making everybody around you sick. Stop it. For others of you, your same old, same old it consists of this. It's a lukewarm, half-hearted commitment to God. You, you live a self-centered life that's all about you and accumulating things. And I can tell you, that will never, ever satisfy but let me tell you, there's hope because you just may be one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. You may be one friend away from having that marriage that you've always wanted. You may be one friend away from having uh, that, uh, being the parent you've always wanted to be. You may be one friend away from being, becoming more generous than you ever have before because you, the friends that you hung out with have taught you how to be able to manage your money and you've learned from them. You may be one friend away from tapping into the power of seeing what God is doing through onechurch.tv and not just watching and consuming but being a contributor. You may be one friend away from waking up to that divine purpose and living a higher calling and a higher life. Some of you, you may be one friend away from somebody introducing you to a person who will change your life forever, and that is Jesus Christ. For some of you, the best thing you can do for your friends is just invite them. Now, you may not be able to say it. You may not be able to say, hey, Turn with us to the Leviticus 17, brethren. You may not be able to do that, but you can say, hey, why don't you show up to onechurch.tv? I'll buy you supper afterwards. And they may hear at a safe place the dangerous message that God loves them. They may be one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. What about you? My challenge to you is this. As you process through this, we have a, uh, another devotional, a seven-day devotional all about the life of David that you can go on, onechurch.tv, or you, especially you can go on the version and you can click on it, and it's about a seven-day of the life of David. And you can learn about the type of friends that he had, and I'm challenging you, be that type of friend. Be that type of friend. Next week, we got Grace Life being with us. All right, how are y'all excited about that? Y'all make sure to love on Pastor Carlo. By the way, his name is Carlo, not Carlos. So call him Carlo. There is no S. And uh, he's going to have a great time. He's going to be preaching about that we're one community away. And it's really going to be foreshadowing our two churches becoming one. Excited about that. Don't leave here if you want to be baptized. If you want to be baptized next week in the creek, come and talk to me. Go to the Next Steps table. Let's all stand up. I'm going to pray for us. And as the band plays, we're going to be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we love you. I thank you so much, Lord, for the men and women who are here. Some uh, folks have been with us at One Church for a long time. Others who have been away and they've come back. And it's such a blessing seeing their faces again. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would remind us that all of us are just one friend away from our lives changing for the better. And Lord, we, we're going to be talking about this in week four of this, but some of us, we're just one friend away from disaster. And we need to put up those boundaries and redraw those friendships. God, I pray that you would give us wisdom. And Lord, that you would always remind us, Lord, that the type of friends that we choose, that that is going to become our future. Heavenly Father, we love you. And all of God's people said, amen. Let's sing.